the most metal part of your life? Probably cheerleading. That metal? There's a lot of like smashing. That's true. Like I feel like that's the like most yeah physical part of my life. But now you don't smash or get smashed. Only occasionally. But you tell young people to go smash each other or kind not to smash. Not to smash each other, but like Oh, then I don't it's know if it's metal. part of it. I think if you were intentionally making them hurt each other, that's metal. Oh, yeah, no. I don't know if it is. <laughs> I just think that like the sport of cheerleading can be pretty metal. I don't live a very metal life these days. No, since I met you, really. My life is not very <laughs> you metal. You live a very cozy life. Yeah, it's not nearly as brutal as it used to be. There's very few aspects of my day that I would categorize as brutal. <laughs> I people I do see people overdose in bathrooms pretty often. That's pretty metal. I get I don't know. But once you're the first aider, is that metal? <laughs> yeah, if I'm saving like, them, I don't that... think it's metal. No. I think if you don't care, then it's metal. Yeah. Because I, I always assume metal people are very, like, aloof and, like, whatever. Oh, metal people? No, metal fans? Uh, you can't generalize, but okay. to <laughs> generalize, I would say metal fans are probably the nicest group of people, music-wise. Uh-huh. Oh, should we sh should start the episode. True. But we're going to talk about metal. We are. Don't worry. Okay, great. So welcome, everyone, to a very metal episode <laughs> of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Blacker Than the Blackest Black times Infinity Randawa. Whoa. And with me is Samantha, the metal cheerleader Randawa. <laughs> oh, man. And we're doing, <laughs> we're talking about musicals. We are. But. You made it sound very scary. I'm going to talk about a little metal today, too. Excellent. But we're going we're gonna to blend it all in because we're doing musical month. Oh, yes. Last week, we talked about the sound of music. Yes, all is, the sounds of music. I was going to say is not very brutal, but there was Nazis in it, and that's pretty brutal. I think Nazis, Nazis are pretty brutal. Why can't I talk today? D don't worry. It doesn't matter. It's not like we're doing a, oh, no, wait, it does matter. You do need to talk. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I didn't do my vo vocal warm-up. <laughs> do you ever do vocal warm-ups? No. But like I said, it's musical month still. So we are each going to have a spoiler free. Actually, mine might have some spoilers, but they're all right spoilers. So don't worry about mm -hmm. it. Well, a spoiler free thing of the Fortnite, musical thing of the Fortnite. Musical thing of the Fortnite. And then I'll let you know what we're watching for our big watch next week. Excellent. So are you excited for more musicals? I am. I'm actually really excited to talk about my thing of the week too. So, And I'm excited to see what next week's watch is. Oh, I think you might know. But before we get into that, Sam, we were already kind of talking about it. Let's get metal. Let's get metal. <laughs> I don't know how one gets metal, but let's do it. Well, if you need to learn how to, I have the show for you. Oh, perfect. So I have a kind of big, um, massive thing of the week. Because <laughs> it's both the band Death Clock, uh -huh. the show Metalocalypse, uh -huh. Specifically, the album, the Death Album Part 1. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about that. Okay. We're going to talk about the musical, The Doomstar Requiem. Right. And the feature film, The Army of the Doomstar. And we're just going to talk a little bit about metal as well. Cool. Sounds good. All together. That's a lot of things for a thing of the week. But it all goes together. It
So we are just listening to Go Into the Water from Death Clock from their album, The Death Album. Mm-hmm. There's four albums called The Death Album, but one, two, three, four. Okay. We're pretty much only going to talk about part one today because that is my favorite <laughs> one. So I think I kind of have to start at the beginning. So Death Clock is a five-piece metal band. Mm-hmm. You have on lead guitar, Squizgar Squig Elf, taller than a tree. Okay. He is a Swedish and he is a famous, um, what do you, what's a nice way of saying someone sleeps around a lot? Philanderer? <laughs> I don't know if that's nice. Yeah, but he's one of those. Right. Uh, that's kind of his main characteristic. He has a very strange relationship with his mother who was a philanderer herself and he never <laughs> knew his father and he's and is clearly trying to fill a void in his life oh. and he loves the older ladies specifically huh. and then on rhythm guitar you have Toki Wartooth from Norway and he was raised very religiously and um, abused his whole childhood. Oh. Uh, but now he's kind of like the nice guy of the group. He loves kind of the cutesy things. But then he's also very upset that he keeps getting pigeonholed as like the cute one. So whenever there's a children's charity, there's always him that has to go do it. And he loves it, but also he hates that it's always him. Right. So and then every now and then he snaps because there's something dark down there oh. that's trying to get out as well. Then on bass guitar, you have William Murderface, uh-huh. who is the worst one. Everyone kind of hates him, but he has a very important part in the group. And that's to suck. Because how could the rest of them know how great they are if they couldn't compare themselves to someone who sucks at everything? Oh. Also, he makes sandwiches. Oh, well, you'd like him then. No, no, he would be the least. The You would not want to hang out with him. Oh, okay. He's the worst one of them in, in many ways. Okay. Then on drums, you have uh, Pickles the drummer. Uh-huh. No last name. Is or he, is that his last name? I don't is know. Is he a puppy? Because he kind of sounds like a puppy. No, he's from Wisconsin <laughs> and has a very Midwest accent. <laughs> and he is an alcoholic and drug addict. and But of all of them, probably the most normal. Oh, okay. And before joining Death Clock, he had a previous band that's kind of a Guns N' Roses type. Thing. So he was like that kind of music, but uh-huh. then he kind of figured it out and got proper metal. Oh, okay. And the lead singer is Nathan Explosion, the only one who has a proper relationship with his family. <laughs> and he's he's just an idiot. He can do nothing except um, he was good at football in high school and he is metal. That's it. Nathan he can't do Explosion. anything Explosion. Oh, and I guess I should go further back and say this is all fictitious. Okay. So this band is from a cartoon show called Metalocalypse. Right. Which had four seasons and two movies that we'll talk about <laughs> a bit. And they do still tour, even though they don't exist. Because Brendan Small, who plays all of the instruments on the albums, except for drums. I don't think he drums. Mm. He will front it and sing. And then he gets like traveling musicians to go along with him. So oh. they still tour. But there'll be big screens with the characters from the show. Oh, so it's like a live show, but there's like visual Yeah, it's kind of like the, the, the gorillas do that kind of okay, thing yeah, too. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cartoon bands were like a big thing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> they still should be. I love a good satirical band when they do it well. Yeah. Because like they, it's actually good metal too, I think. And uh, that song was Go Into the Water because in the show they can't get their album to sound brutal enough it's not toned down low enough so they decide to 
go to the Marianas Trench, the deepest part of the ocean, and record in a nuclear sub because, like, what's more metal than that? <laughs> and they release an album that is just for fish. They release an entire album that's ah. all uh, fish related. And, and then, of course, a bunch of people listen to it and then drown themselves because the music tells them to and they get sued. But right on it, it says intended for fish only. So the lawsuit is dropped. Oh, did the fish like it? Oh, yeah. Fish loved it. Oh, good. Okay. There's some good mermaid songs on there, too. A Ooh. song about mermaid murder called Mermaider, of course. Right. That's a classic one. So in the show, they are not just like the world's most successful metal band, but they are the biggest cultural influence in the entire world. And you can always hear news reports going. And I think by season three, they're referred to as the sixth largest economy in the world, just passing Belgium or something. Oh, wow. And they live in this giant fortress that's sometimes flying, depending on which season it is. <laughs> and their albums, if they don't release an album, it affects the world economy. They are the single most important force in the world, essentially. Hmm. And then to go along with that, they have their own kind of private army, essentially. Private that's all, army? It's all volunteer because everyone wants to be a, a clocketeer is oh. what you'd be if you were working for Death Clock. That's like a Swifty. Yeah, but they are even more extreme than Swifties. If wow. such a thing was possible, they are because they literally are willing to die for Death Clock. Wow. And they often do. Really? Oh, there's so much death in the show. It's <laughs> a brutally, brutally violent show. And they show a lot of, like, yeah, just terrible things because every time they have a big live show, people get massacred. Right. All the time. And in very uh, fun and inventive ways a lot of the time. And because they're so big, when they do something like sign an endorsement deal, because they do a deal with a, a coffee brand called <laughs> Duncan Hills Coffee. Uh-huh. And then, of That's course... That's not very metal. Oh, but it is, because they are going to make this me this coffee the most metal coffee around. Okay. And they do a jingle for Duncan Hills Coffee, which we'll listen to right now. They make coffee metal. Wow. And of course, because they're so big, when they release that, all other coffee brands go out of business and uh, Duncan Hills takes Becomes over everything. Becomes the only one. Yeah. Wow. That was that. I feel like that song can wake me up even without coffee. So what you're saying is you want to hear that every morning now. No, I do not. <laughs> I'm good. But that was uh, quite the coffee ad. It's always a, a theme in the show about how black and how brutal everything is. And it's not self-serious, so it gives maybe non-metal fans a good way in. Because I started listening to metal when I lived in Norway, because you can't not, because it's Norway. Mm -hmm. But it's always hard when you're kind of approaching it from outside, because like there's these grown men wearing like makeup and talking about how brutal everything <laughs> is and death and dying. And you're like, yeah, what have you really done? But in this show they don't take it seriously. And it kind of points out the silliness of it because they're so extreme in all of that. Because in the end, these larger-than-life heroes of the show who are heroes to millions, if not billions of people all over the world 
are just men with horrible relationships with their parents and who are incapable of feeding themselves because they're just they're just terrible at everything outside of metal. There's one joke when a guy is making fun of the other one for being stupid and they go, okay, name something that doesn't have anything to do with guitars, go! And he, he can't do it because that's all they do. <laughs> I guess it's like tongue-in-cheek comedy because it clearly loves metal, but it also makes fun of it sometimes but completely from that place of uh, love and appreciation. And they're just great musicians. Like Brenda Small, who does it, knows what he's talking about. And I guess because it's in on the joke, it's it's accessible to someone who is maybe not kind of growing up with metal or he didn't listen to a lot of it before. What are, How about you? What are your feelings on metal? <laughs> you know, every now and then I'm listening to it yeah. and then you get in the car with me and you're like, mm, no, thank you. I find it makes me very anxious. And is also very loud and disorienting. I, I feel like they would say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm just not the right audience for it because I know that like people like it for that reason. And I just, uh, I don't know. I've never been able to like, get into it. I did enjoy the coffee song though. Okay. That so was maybe you fun. need to find your right subgenre of metal and i know you've told me that there's lots oh there's so much you, can, you got your viking metal your folk metal your speed metal thrash doom black is this death. like the drinks you were talking about last episode what do you mean slurp and <laughs> no, blip no. and no there's no uh there's no drink to go along with oh, okay. any of these <laughs> so this would be probably melodic death metal is the type they make so it's Death metal, which we can get into, I guess, but it has those kind of melodic guitar riffs and sometimes those solos that go through. And it kind of comes from that new wave of British metal, but then mixed with a lot of that Scandinavian stuff, too. I prefer a lot of Scandinavian bands because I, I started listening to metal when I went to school in Norway. And black metal is kind of Norway's biggest export. That's okay. what they're known for. It's a very small country, uh, population-wise, but their bands do quite well, and it's usually the the metal bands. Hmm. And I went to a bunch of shows there, and it really gave me an appreciation for it. And I feel like you kind of need to frame it in the right way. It's kind of, to me, like 18th century French poetry. <laughs> okay. Because the French poets of that time, when they're being romantic in in our sense of romance above uh -huh. like the love romance they're all in on it right? right but then when they're depressed and sad they wallow in it and they kind of bask in the sadness right that was a part of french romanticism and similar with metal they are not trying to push through darkness they are wallowing in it as a way to to deal with those things and mm -hmm. i kind of appreciate that Metal's like so much more complex than I think I realized. Oh man, we could talk. And <laughs> I'm not even a, a metal guy, really. Yeah. I know a bit, but if you talk to some real like metal people, they'll tell you all about it. And we can just get into all the subgenres and talk about how it's different. And and the the history of metal in Norway is insane. It involves murders and church burnings, and it's. That's a whole topic for another day, but we're not going to get onto that because I still have more Death Clock to talk about. <laughs> so despite being so, so popular, they are incompetent at everything not related to music. They struggle with everyday tasks from like once their chef kind of got pulled into the propeller blades of a helicopter, 
So then they had to cook for themselves and going to a grocery store. They just have no idea what to do or what food is or how you make it. They're, you know, getting a scoop of rice and pouring it into the cart and it falls through and they don't know what to do. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. But I do feel like there's lots of people in the world who are like that. <laughs> when you're just so rich that yeah. you just don't know how anything outside of what you do, like how the world works. Food just appears and you don't need to leave the house to get it. <laughs> And that's also a fear of theirs that goes through a lot of the show is like, what if we were just regular jack-offs? That's what they always call it. Just being a regular person is their biggest fear. And they sing about that sometimes. There's a song called Briefcase Full of Guts, which is just talks about how the terrible, terrible mundane nature of going to work every day. Oh. And just being in a cubicle and how nothing could be worse than that. And oh. That's the most brutal thing. That's a, that's a mental life right there. I couldn't do that. I'm living that life. You are not. <laughs> you work from home. Oh, true. And you have a, a pretty nice time every day, really. I do. I have a pretty nice time. Not metal at all. No. And then they also don't care for each other. That was a, a part of their agreement when they started the band. Is like, we will not be, care about any of you. <laughs> And they have such contempt for their fans. They're always talking about how much they hate them. In one episode, they have kind of a fan appreciation day where they open their house and let a few select fans come. And they play oh. this special one-time-only song made for their fans. So let's listen to their fan song. So in case you missed some of the lyrics from their fan song, it says, uh, you people out there give us something more than just record sales. You give us something to hate, and we hate you, you brainless mutants. You hunched and blinded mutants living in chat rooms. You masturbate on the sheets your mother's clean for you. You have lined my pockets, overflowed with gold. You're living with your parents and you're 35 years old. <laughs> oh. You're a bunch of banks that I'd like to rob. You're my online cash transaction. You're my future stocks. Transfer you like money to a Swiss account. Spend you all on impulse. Buy and zero you all out. You sad, putrid losers complaining on the couch. Think you're fucking better than us? You can't leave your house. Deluded little maggots. Fold your arms and frown. Go to work and make me money before I put you down. And so forth. Wow. So that's their opinion of their fans, which is another theme that kind of goes throughout the show. And then in all of their kind of hijinks with being super rich and famous and then failing at everything that doesn't involve metal, there's also this kind of Illuminati style council of military and religious leaders that we see every now and then. And they're always talking about this prophecy about the, the metalocalypse. Right. For the four seasons, it hardly goes anywhere. They usually say something about, oh yes, the prophecy is coming true. And then they just kind of let it happen. But they, you keep cutting back to them. And then kind of on the season finales, you'll get little glimpses into this prophecy that they are supposed to be part of bringing about the end of the world or saving the world. We're not quite sure. Oh. And there's these Sumerian texts that have um, cuneiform tablets that have images that look like them. And 
they are not aware of any of this, but all of this stuff is happening around them, and they just kind of luck through not being killed all the time when everyone else is getting decapitated around them. Huh. And then there's some other supernatural elements in the show as well. Like once they go and awaken a Finnish lake troll because they find an ancient text and they go, oh, this would be a good song. And then they sing it and it brings up a lake troll who goes around and eats all the people of Finland. Oh, wow. But a this... lake troll. Yeah. That's uh, not what I was expecting in this cartoon for some reason, but that's it sounds great. Scandinavians are big on trolls. They're a troll loving people. <laughs> but here's the song that they use to awaken Mustakrakish, the lake troll. And then, of course, when the lake troll is going around and eating everyone, they don't want to apologize because it's a bit of a hassle. Mm -hmm. they, they don't do hassles. They learn that to put it back to sleep, there is this ancient song that they could play, but it involves acoustic instruments. And they're like, well, that's, that's not brutal. So we can't play those. <laughs> they always call anything that's not plugged in a grandpa's guitar. Oh, so but, like an acoustic guitar. Or other instruments, too, because they don't know what they're talking about. They're like, I'm not going to play a grandpa guitar. That's funny. So all of the songs that I played are from the Death Album, which came out in 2007. But then there are three more after that, the most recent of which was just a couple of months ago. But in the show, they also occasionally do other musical numbers. Of course, the band plays that kind of music, but the show sometimes will have fantasy elements or dream sequences where there is other songs, but those can be in different genres. Like there's one episode where they are kind of just confronting their own mortality because they had they would go to a doctor for the first time. <laughs> and they're all incredibly unhealthy, of course, except for one person. Toki kind of takes care of himself. He's the only one. <laughs> and they are trying to figure out how to be healthy. And of course, they think, well, drinking bleach, that'll clear everything up, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And they refuse to let anyone say the word death to them, even though they always talk about death and brutality. When it's their own death, it's it's overwhelming. So they say, like, please, anytime you want to say death, say hamburger time, because <laughs> the words are too scary to them. And in that episode, Toki has a cat and his cat dies. And he sings this kind of uh, fantasy song as a ode to his deceased cat. Aww.
so you get other fun musical bits like that as well. And there's four seasons of the show, and it never really gets serious. There's like little bits and pieces maybe for a couple minutes at a time, but the characters don't really develop. They are who they are, and that's kind of the point of it. They see these problems and people point them out in them, but they do nothing to fix it. In fact, they make a point of saying like, no, we will not change. Why would we? And there were, they were four seasons be that ran between 2006 and 2012. And then they put out the Doomstar Requiem. So this was a not quite feature length, but it was over an hour. And it's different from the show because it's a full musical. Like, not only does the band play songs like they normally would, but every moment of the musical is sung. There is oh. no spoken dialogue at all. It, it's all sung. And because they're kind of changing the style, they get to be much more diverse in the genres they do. There's everything from Gregorian chants to, like, piano ballads hmm. to much more Broadway style songs. <laughs> and of course, there's just some straight up metal in there too. And this was surprising because it actually starts the beginning of character development because they start to learn lessons. Oh. And it's not just that they change and they see their errors. Much of the movie is about the fact that they are so reluctant to learn any lessons or to change. And it's not like they're addressing things head on and saying that, hey, we're not good role models. We should be better. They're still the same people. They just realize that maybe needing help or needing others in your life doesn't take away from who you are. And the musical is fantastic. I love it, especially if you're someone who likes musicals, because I think a lot of people who are just straight metal fans didn't like it because they said, like, this is like Disney stuff. And sometimes it kind of is, but not not really. <laughs> but there's just a, a good variety in the genres. They are kind of both honoring and satirizing at the same time. And then there was nothing for many years. And the musical ends on a cliffhanger. Oh. And there's a decade goes by and nothing happens because the show got canceled. And just this year, they released a feature length film called The Army of the Doomstar. And all of those themes that I was talking about really come to a culmination in this movie. They get into the importance of family and specifically when your real family cannot be that support network, finding and creating a found family. And they were always satirical about metal culture or celebrities or rock stars or masculinity as well. But with like a lot of these satirical shows, when you're showing extreme examples of it, I feel some people are into it. They're saying like, yeah, that's great. And in the two movies, the fact that they are satirizing and making fun of those things is much more clear. And it's also giving you examples of if you are one of those people who believed the things that the characters in this show believed how you can change and how you can be better. And because it has that part to it, it's not just making fun of people like that. It's kind of uh, almost guiding and giving a little bit of instruction. And the movie has these beautiful animated sequences because through the show, most of the animation is crude, I guess <laughs> you would say. It's not, it's not the best, but that's mm -hmm. kind of part of its charm. But there are some great sequences in Army of the Doomstar and it ventures into the territory of those epic fantasy animated movies, which I was never a fan of. Or I guess I never gave a chance, but maybe I should because this is doing that. And it was it was great. 
And then, of course, the score in this is fantastic, too. It has a lot of that metal elements to it, but Brendan Small, who does all the music and is the is the creator and everything, he starts getting into orchestral film score things, and it has just such a an epic scope to everything, both in the visuals and the subject matter, but then the music goes right along with it as well. And from what this was as a TV show, it was something that was silly and satirical and crudely animated and never taking itself seriously. I was pretty shocked to see a feature film where they kind of reverse a lot of that. But it never felt like it took away from what the show was. Rather, it felt like a culmination, but a very unexpected one. Because if you told me that there would be a mostly serious, and mostly serious, there still are a lot of jokes and gags <laughs> and things, but if you told me that there would be a mostly serious epic movie where the characters from this show develop, and there's payoffs that are many years in the making, I wouldn't have believed it, and it would sound like a bad idea to me. I'd be like, no, this is a silly show, let it be a silly show, I don't <laughs> need it to get serious. And then when they did... They did in the most surprising but fulfilling way. So it was such a great way to end the series after such a long wait for it. I don't know what you could have done to make it any better than the big feature that they went out on. And we get to see all of this character stuff actually pay off when you didn't even think it was setting anything up, when it was just years of silliness, and as well that behind-the-scenes arc of this up coming apocalypse oh, and, i love a good payoff and characters who you think are just one-offs 10 years ago they come back and it, it everything just fits together so well i don't know if they were setting it up with this script in mind many years ago i don't think that's the case i think rather they made a silly show and then in all of that time he really picked pieces and developed them in such such a fulfilling way at the end so that's it. That's my long <laughs> ramble on all of Death Clock, mm -hmm. Metalocalypse, Metalocalypse, and the movies The Doomstar Requiem and The Army of the Doomstar. Wow. So go check all of that out. And apparently a lot of people don't know that that movie came out because I was talking to some of my friends who loved the show. They had no idea that there was a movie. Oh. So go watch that. It's Excellent. fantastic. And go listen to some Death Clock. And maybe just some metal in general. <laughs> just find your metal. Find your metal. What kind of metal is it for you? For me, melodic death metal. Interesting. I also like doom. Doom metal. Doom metal and a lot of thrash. But like, who doesn't like thrash, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some research and find my metal. How about anything you heard today? Is there anything that you could tolerate listening to? The coffee ad and the hamburger time song. <laughs> All right. So we talked metal. I assume you're just going to do something else very brutal. What oh, do you got? So brutal. Um, so I talked about this in our witch picks episode, um, but I thought I'd give it a little bit more time because it is one of my favorite musicals. Um, I am talking about the 2003 musical Wicked. Oh, that is also not my favorite witch-based musical. <laughs> What's your favorite witch-based musical? Probably Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, so have you seen Wicked? I have not. Okay. So Wicked is um, based on a book called Wicked, The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West. And that is based on Frank L. Baum's 1900 novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, um, and the film adaptation. And um, it basically... 
is told from the perspective of two witches in the land of Oz. Um, you get to meet Alphaba, the wick later, who is the Wicked Witch of the West, and Glinda the Good Witch, who goes on to be very, very famous throughout Munchkinland. And um, you get this kind of growing up of these characters as well as origin stories of um, the lion, Tin Man, Scarecrow, um, and the Wicked Witch of the East and kind of what happened when Dorothy arrived in Oz and all of the things that happened before that and after. So it's quite a big span and it makes it sound very like jumbled and like all over the place but it's uh like it's a really kind of lovely story of female friendship and um kind of overcoming opposing personalities and learning to see other people's viewpoints so wicked it premiered in october 2003 so it just celebrated its 20th anniversary on broadway um it has as of april um, this year, it had done 7,486 performances. Oh, my God. And it is one of only a few musicals to surpass $1 billion in total Broadway revenue. Whoa. Um, it has been done all over the world. It currently has productions um, on Broadway, the West End, um, I believe Australia, and then there are worldwide tours of the show as well. So I got to see it here in Edmonton with Broadway Across Canada, and um, I just think it's such a such a beautiful show. The um, set and their use of um, like flying um, people and props in and out um, really kind of create this magical world of Oz. Um, I really liked some of the songs and there's some like pretty incredible like powerful moments um, of song. Alphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West, um, her part in the show is kind of known as one of the hardest roles to play on Broadway because you have to be so vocally strong in order to not just like shred your voice singing it every night. And um, it's just like renowned as like such a well-rounded show and such a fun um score and songbook to sing do you have a favorite song that i can drop in here yeah so okay so there's the classic the one that um most people probably know whether or not they've seen uh wicked the show uh is defying gravity but um, this is sung by Idina Menzel, I assume, is the one that you're going to pull up, um, who originated the role of Elphaba. And uh, you get to hear her um, vocal talents. Unlimited, together we're unlimited, together we'll be the greatest team there's ever been, Glenda. Down. Well, are you coming? 
So this comes at the end of Act One, right before the intermission, and you get this huge, like, powerful um, kind of song about how she's choosing to choose herself instead of conform to what um, everybody in the Emerald City wants from her. And uh, you get to kind of see... Alphaba and Glinda branch off at this point and choose very different life paths. And then um, I don't want to like give away the end of the show, but you do get to see how they've continued to like hold each other in their hearts until the very end. So does this happen before and after Wizard of Oz? Yes. So Dorothy and the house happen kind of towards the end of the show but um before the like final conflict and you kind of have already gotten to know who the wicked witch of the east is in this show as well as you already know alphaba and you know glinda and you get to kind of love them before all of the things that happen in the Wizard of Oz and forward, um, you kind of already know all these people. And so it kind of gives you a different view of the classic, the house falling on the witch and Dorothy being hunted by the Wicked Witch. And you get to know why the ruby slippers are important to her. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to give it away, but they are in the show and you do, um, they have a reason for why she wants them so badly. And, um, yeah, there's just some fun songs, um, like, uh, popular, which, um, Glinda gives Alphaba a makeover. Um, you get dancing through life, which is kind of a fun night out for all the students who go to, um, the school that they go to. Um, you get a love song, as long as you're mine, which is a really beautiful song, um, and you get a song from Alphaba towards the end of the show um, called No Good Deed, which is about oh, she's been called wicked for so long. She's just going to be wicked. I guess I'm wicked. And this is who I am now. And she kind of accepts her reputation as the Wicked Witch. And um, you get to see how Alphaba actually helps the munchkins and uh, leaves a kind of a legacy for herself. So I don't want to give away too much of the show because um, there is actually a movie coming out based oh. on the show. Um, not a pro shot, but an actual movie. Um, and I'm very, very excited for it because I think the sets are just going to be incredible. I think it's just going to be a beautiful movie to begin with. So um, I want to leave some surprises. <laughs> Do you know who is cast in the film version? I, is, it, uh, is it the original cast? It is not. I wish. Um, because Kristen Chenoweth, um, who uh, originated the role of Glinda, and Idina Menzel, who originated the role of Alphaba, would just be like so incredible to see. Because mm-hmm. that's like everybody's dream cast to be able to go see is the original Broadway cast, um, as it is with many shows. And I absolutely would love that. But they chose um, some both kind of Broadway-ish actors as well as some very popular actors um, to play. And so um, playing Madame Morrible, who is the headmistress of the uh, school, is Michelle Yeoh. And Jeff Goldblum is playing uh, the wizard. Okay. (laughs) I like both of them. I'm on board so far. Um, 
Ariana Grande is playing Glinda. Um, oh. And then um, Cynthia Evrio is playing Alphaba. So oh, I don't know who that is. I don't either. I believe she is a Broadway person. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that she has done much um, like screen acting, but um, she has the vocal range, obviously, to sing all of these songs. So I'm really excited to see um, just kind of how this cast is going to work together to like bring this show to life and um it's going to be released in november 2024 and november 2025 oh it's two it's two parts yeah interesting yeah i'm interested to see how they i wonder if they'll finish with defying gravity and then pick it up where act two would pick up that makes sense yeah i think it's gonna be good i'm cautiously optimistic i've seen some of the sets and costuming that they've been doing and i think it's such a it's a they're doing a good job so far from what i've seen so i'm i'm really excited about that and i think if you have a chance to go see wicked the musical you should absolutely take it it's a shame that they don't have the original cast, but yeah, maybe it'll be great. <laughs> maybe it'll be great. Um, my favorite Glinda quote is right at the beginning of the show. She flies in on a bubble in her giant pink dress and she says, it is good to see me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like her tagline for most of the promotion that you see of Glinda the Good Witch is her saying, it is good to see me, isn't it? <laughs> what a- Dick, Glinda. <laughs> um, yeah, so broad, uh, Broadway's Wicked the Musical. Go see it. <laughs> so, Indy, it's time. Are you going to reveal what we are going to be watching for next week? I am. <laughs> okay, okay. So I think it's not a surprise because we've already talked about it a couple of times. <laughs> but we are going to be covering the 1972 feature film musical Cabaret. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> so Cabaret is maybe my favorite musical. It's uh-huh. the first one I can think of for sure. I kind of fell in love with the 98 Broadway revival with Alan Cumming and Natasha Richardson, uh-huh. that version. So the movie is different from the stage play. In the stage version, Sally Bowles is British and Brian is American. And here they've switched it because Liza Minnelli is playing Sally and she's American. Okay. And Michael York is playing Brian as a British character. And then Joel Grey is the MC here. That's the role that I still love Alan Cumming as most because, (laughs) man, love that dude. Yeah. But the film did do very well itself it won so many oscars which i was actually kind of surprised about i didn't realize that i i I love it of course but Mm -hmm. i didn't know it did so well it was nominated for best picture but then did win best actress liza minnelli best supporting actor joel gray best director bob fossey and then it got nominated for writing and then won a bunch more for editing sound cinematography even so it's a very well respected movie which i actually didn't even realize until very recently when i talked about doing it for this because i thought it's just a movie that i liked and of course other people like it it's pretty famous because you've 
heard of cabaret. I've heard of cabaret. I know it's like very influential. Um, I know Bob Fosse is a big deal in the dance world. Um, and it's a very specific style of dance. So I look forward to kind of seeing that in the movie. And um, I feel like I've seen cabaret, not parodied, but like talked about in other um, kind of TV shows and everything, and then also parodied um, on Schmigadoon, which we watched a little bit of um, because it's uh, all about, uh, like, it's just takes its inspiration from musicals. So I'm really excited to see this because I feel like it's an integral part of musicalness. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. I can't believe I haven't seen it. And Candor and Ebb are my favorite musical pair. Like, I know you're more of a Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah. Candor and Ebb, I love, next to Mencken and Asham, I right. guess. Because, man, they did some good work, too. <laughs> but Candor and Ebb did, um, Chicago is probably their right. other most famous one. Um, does Sally Bowles... Paint her fingernails green? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's one of my favorite lines. Okay, um, like a short bob with bangs. Well, it depends. Okay, in the movie, yeah. Well, in the movie, it's Liza Minnelli with classic Liza Minnelli hair. Okay, okay. she kind of does. Liza Minnelli have the ha- same hair always. Kind of. She just always has the same short hair. I assume so. You might be thinking of Catherine Zeta Jones in Chicago. Probably. Probably that again, because that haircut was a big deal in Chicago. So um, anyway, go on. So I first heard the 98 Broadway revival. And then, of course, I was like, wait, there was a movie about this? Because I was, I don't know, 17 or something and uh, learning about it. So I went back and watched the movie. I loved it as well. And very recently, Andrew, fan of the show, gave uh, me hi, Andrew. Um, a record. He yes had the... Um, the soundtrack on vinyl and was like, I'm not going to listen to this. Hey, Indy, do you want it? And of course I do. So <laughs> maybe we so should. You're so excited about that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. Maybe we should be playing the record this week. Sure. You can listen to it around the house. Give me a chance to use my record player I don't use very often. Yeah. And sing along because I feel like this is definitely the musical I know the most. I know every word to it without hearing the music. Mm-hmm. So... You love singing along to stuff, so maybe if you get a feel for this one, that can be a new musical to listen to on road trips. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that, or we can just do a bunch more Death Clock. Eh, you can sing along to that, too. I'd rather Cabaret, I think. Okay. We mentioned it on the previous episodes because I was saying that Sound of Music is my third favorite Nazi movie, uh-huh. uh, musical, and Cabaret being my first. So this does deal with the the rise of the Third Reich and the Weimar Republic, that kind of interwar period in Germany. Mm -hmm. And I kind of love the setting of these people. It's not quite as bad as Rent of being how they shouldn't be able to afford where they live, but they clearly do. But it has a little bit of that too. It's kind of, I feel like Rent kind of tried to do a lot of what cabaret had and kind Mm -hmm. of that bohemian lifestyle that people were living but there is less willingness to gloss over things than sound of music perhaps because sound of music is a feel-good movie that is great for children cabaret not so much it deals with gray areas a good bit it deals with more complex adult relationships and it also just has great numbers in it and unlike a lot of musicals the music is happening on a stage 
So it's not just people breaking into song, talking about their feelings. They are doing numbers on stage. So that brings a a different element as well. So I feel like a lot of people, if you're not into musicals, because that seems to be the thing people have issue with. Yeah. Why are they just singing now? Which I don't think is a legitimate criticism. Because you can look at every action movie and you're like, that's not how fights work in the real world. Why is he just shooting his gun like that? You can't hold a gun with one hand. Yeah, none of that works. But we were willing to forgive that. Or how every car in a movie, the wheels squeal all the time. If you're driving like that, you're doing something wrong. I think I've been in one car my entire life that has made that noise at the wheels and something was seriously wrong. (laughs) It's always funny when you watch cars on a gravel road in movies and there's a wheel squealing sound. Like your car can't make that noise on a gravel road. But that's just to say that musicals are different, of course, just like every genre is. Why in a horror movie do people just not leave, right? Uh That's... You kind of had to suspend that disbelief in a little bit, but less so in this one because they are at a cabaret singing, so the music makes makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I have the Broadway version in my head so much that I'm having trouble remembering the movie <laughs> because I don't think I've seen it in 15, 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think there are one or two songs that don't happen in the cabaret, but they are still they still make sense as songs. Okay. I don't know what else to say. I think we should just go watch it. Excellent. It's Cabaret from 1972. Go watch it. Go listen to the soundtrack, especially if you have some sweet vinyl. Give it a spin. Excellent. And we'll meet you here next week when we talk all about it. Yeah. I also just wanted to say I almost picked the producers, which is your other of the three. Second favorite Nazi yeah. musical. Um, because I got to see it on Broadway with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, and it was amazing. My favorite one is actually the less musical one. Oh. The movie, because it was a movie oh, first. Oh, right. Yes, yes. And I believe they only have songs in the musical in that the is being produced part. in the movie. Yeah. And then it went to Broadway and they turned it into a musical musical. Yes. Where people just break into song. Yes. <laughs> and then they turned it into a movie of the musical. So it's kind of gone full circle. Yes. And I feel like maybe I'll pick that if we ever do uh, movies about productions. <laughs> Movies about production? Or like movies about movies. Man, movies about movies I <laughs> could talk about for such a long yeah. time. Yeah. Well, we might have to do that as a theme. Cinema Paradiso is probably my favorite movie oh. about movies. Eight and a half. Be Kind Rewind. <laughs> oh, and then all the documentaries. Oh, man. I could do many months on movies about movies. <laughs> well, come back in 2024. Maybe we'll do a month on movies about movies. Yes, please. All right, yeah, so go watch Cabaret. Meet us back here. We'll talk all about it. And remember, life is a cabaret, my friend. (laughs) Come to the cabaret. (laughs) Bye, everyone. 